you remember last Sunday, we're in a series, and not that he ever confines any minister, uh, but he did ask if there was a way, and I actually had already, uh, it was clarity to me, and then actually when we met again, and I shared with him the thought and, and, and the things that I wanted to reserve for him to pastor and lead us in, he said, man, that just bears witness in the spirit. How many knows the Bible said, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established, but Pastor Greg preached last Sunday, Walking in maturity. And while he was speaking that, uh, God just, I, I, I don't think I knew I was going to preach. Maybe I didn't know I was going to preach this Sunday from, from last night. I can't remember exactly. But I remember the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and I wrote it in my notes. Growing into maturity. Amen. And I want to ask you this morning, is anybody going to help me preach up in here this morning? Come on, anybody really ready to help me preach? Turn around to somebody and say, are you going to help Pastor Whalen preach this morning? Amen. And I'm, I'm going to assure you I will need some help this morning. And many of you that said you will help me, we will find out real quickly in the starting if you're really ready to help me. Amen. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 11 through 16. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. Now, I'm kind of fast once, I, once that plane starts off, but I'm going to try to be mindful. A lot of the scriptures that I have, I believe they're scriptures that will grow you, that will change you, that will challenge you. Verse 11, and he himself, and that he himself is referring to Jesus, if you would back up in that chapter, and he, Jesus himself, gave some. Now, I don't know if you got the New King James Version, and I don't know if there's uh, on this, but that to be, actually the writers uh, or the interpreters or translators put that word in there, or those two words, just to try to kind of let it flow. But it says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, I actually want to read it like the original Greek was written. And he himself gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Now, who, gave the, who did the giving? Jesus did. And uh, the act of giving literally means you're getting a what? A gift. Did you know that I... Am Jesus' gift to you this morning. I mean, I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus, but I'm your gift this morning because the Bible said that he gave some, and one of them was pastors, and they are gifts. Pastors Greg and Gretchen and Pastor Matt and Pastor Jesse, Pastor Cody, Pastor DJ, Pastor Nat, all of us, we're gifts to the body of Christ. Why? Why did Jesus, before he ascended, why did he leave these gifts? Why did he feel? If you've ever gone somewhere or maybe over uh, to someone's house and before you leave, uh, you feel prompted to leave a gift and, and you, you know, they go in and they're like, I, I don't know if I deserve this. What, what motivated you? I'm asking myself, what was the motivation for Jesus to give the church these gifts? So why? For the equipping. Now, the King James Version, and I know this is that word that we're not really liking a lot during this series. The King James says, for the perfecting of the saints. 
Now, Jesus gave a gift so that you could be perfected, but yet we don't believe we can be perfected. So Jesus gave a null and void gift so you could be perfected. No, he gave them so that you could be equipped or perfected for the, for the work of the ministry. Or you could literally say, for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. See, ministers aren't the only workers. Ministers aren't the only ones that do ministry. Amen. You're a minister. Matter of fact, Paul encourages us all to be ministers of reconciliation. Now watch this. Not only for that, but also for the edifying of the body of Christ. All right, this giving of these gifts and the equipping and edifying will continue when? Verse 13, till un, or until we all, say that's me, until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a, here it is, underline it, perfect man. Say that's me. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, that we, say that's me, should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, somebody say it again, that's me. The word speaking here is in the present tense. It's an ongoing process. This literally means every time I speak, I will speak the truth. In love. It's not a once and done. You know, we're going to treat this verse like we treat salvation, like it's a once and done. But we heard last week, and I've quoted it many times in the Gospels, Jesus, amen, the one that gave us these gifts, that gave me to you, said, only they that endure to the end shall be saved. There's some endurance to, endurance to do. So every time I speak, I will speak the truth in love because it's an ongoing process. Watch this. May grow up. Kind of look at your neighbor and say, I think it's time you grow up. Now watch this, that you may grow up in all things. That you may grow up in all things into Him. In your process of growing up, you're literally growing into Christ, in Him. Now watch this. Who is the head? Christ, from whom the Whole body, one more time, say, that's me. Joined and knit together by what every joint, and again, I'm not going to ask you, I know you're probably already getting tired of it, but that's me, that's you. Every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part, yeah, you guessed it, that's me. Does it share? Now, let me read it again. Every part does its 
share. Watch what happens when every part does its share. It causes growth of the body. Not only are you growing when you do what you're called to do, not only am I growing more into the stature and the fullness of the knowledge of Christ Jesus who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. Say, that's me too. It causes growth to the body. So as you grow, so the body goes. As you grow, your body in the natural begins to change, takes effects. Some we don't like. You know, I, I like to grow taller. I just don't want to grow out more, right? But it causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself. God designed the natural body. There's things in our blood when we get cut, when we get scratches, uh, vi viral, bacteria. Our body initially, I mean instantly, begins to initiate a defense attack against those foreign uh, entities in our body. Uh, during the COVID and all these different things. How many know I said during the... It, it, COVID's over. I'm going to tell you what my doctor used to tell my uh, nephew that I raised, uh, and I'm not going to call his name, but he said, it's an upper respiratory infection. I don't care what it was. I don't care what he had, what symptoms he had. If his toe was hurt, it's an upper respiratory infection. What you're experiencing is just an upper respiratory infection. And God has designed the body when foreign entities come in the body, however they invade it, your body initiates. That fever you're experiencing, listen to me, it's just your body saying, hey, I want to do something to fight this off. Don't be all afraid. Your amygdala has just, come on, alert, alert, alert. But your prefrontal cortex is saying, you're going to make it. Because God designed the natural body just as the same way he designed the spiritual body. And the spiritual body, when something foreign comes in and we begin to grow and mature, we will edify ourselves in love. So before we jump into the message, let's just find some of the words that we just read. Now, the word equipping in the New King James Version and the word perfecting in the King James Version is a Greek word that means complete furnishing. See, in a building project, the furnishings are the finishing touches at the end of construction. The word edifying, it's a combination of two different Greek words, one of them meaning a dwelling, a place, a house, a home. The other meaning means to build an edifice. I knew what it was because I'm in construction and work with architects, but to build an edifice. But just in case you don't know, edifice is the root word for edification or edifying. So that Greek word means to build an edifice. An edifice is a building, especially a large, imposing one. 
Listen to what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 through 5, and then 9 through 10. I actually narrowed them down, but I had to throw 9 and 10 in again. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, say that's me, as living stones. Now, not only is Jesus a living stone, Peter is declaring that you yourself this morning are living stones. You are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Verse 9, but you, come on, one more time, say, that's me. But you, look at your neighbor and say, that's also you. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a perfected people, you could say. His own special people. Man, and I tell you, we got some special people in the house of God sometimes. I mean, his own special people that you, again, that's you, make proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Verse 10, watch this. Who once were not a people, but are now, right now, not tomorrow, not next week, right now you are the people of God. You're, you're, you're God's peeps who had obtained mercy, but now have, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So back to our definitions. Perfect, the word perfect in Greek. It means brought to its end or finished. Again, I've quoted this already, but in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, he's the author and the finisher or perfecter of our faith. What he starts, he finishes. He's a finisher. He's a completer. He doesn't just do half works. He doesn't just, that's why the Bible said, if any of you be sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. They'll pray and anoint him with oil. And if, I mean, you're just coming to get healing, but God's like, hey, man, I'm going to see that and raise you five. And if they have committed any sin, they will be forgiven. Because God always does a perfect work. God always does a complete work. I've had this old saying, please don't invite me because I don't have time. But if you invite me to mow your yard, don't, don't not expect me to weed eat too. Because I'm going to do the finished work. Somebody, you put, that first time you've wrote notes in months, you're right. Pastor Whalen mows yards and does weed eating. <laughs> But it means to be brought to its end, to be finished, wanting nothing necessary to completeness, to perfect. Of men, it means full-grown, adult, of full age, or mature. Now, the word grow in Greek means to cause to grow to augment, that means to make greater by adding to it. In other words, you augment the ground by adding fertilizers and the needed resources so a plant can grow or your tree can grow or whatever is not growing properly. You start adding nutrients, you till it. That means augment, to make greater by adding to it. In other words, listen to me. The call that Jesus has on our lives to perfect you is not something that he's wanting to rip from you. 
He's actually wanting to add to you. He's wanting to add to your greatness. He's wanting to add to your character. Uh, above all, give all diligence. Add to your faith, what? Virtue, character, good living. Means to increase or become greater. It means to grow of plants, of infants, and of a multitude of people, or even of an inward Christian growth. That's what this word simply means. Peter writes in 1 Peter 2 and 2, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. I couldn't do measure, stature, fullness, but I'd encourage you to underline those words and go back. Every one of them are linked to growth and maturity. Now, with all that said, I want to speak to you this morning. They've probably already pulled it up. Growing into maturity. I don't know if you can tell, but that is a large root system from the base of a tree that's spread out, that's growing. I want you God wants you, the Holy Spirit wants you, the Father wants you to grow into maturity this morning. Maturity is the quality or state of being fully developed physically, being full grown, or having reached the most advanced stage in a process. Now, to understand maturity more fully, we probably need to define what immaturity is. Immaturity, many of you say, man, you ain't got to tell me nothing. I sit by them every week. Don't look at them right now. Listen to me. While we preach messages, this is not elbow time either. And I'm going to be honest with you, this isn't the time for you to think, man, I wish so-and-so was here. See, he that hath an ear, let him or her hear what the Spirit... Immaturity is the quality or state of not being fully developed. Some synonyms are unripe, undeveloped, unformed, imperfect, unfinished, incomplete, raw, or green. It also means having or showing an emotional or intellectual development appropriate to someone younger your age. Some synonyms would be childish, babyish, infantile, juvenile. I, I can't do the count with that, and i got to do inexperienced, and naive. Paul describes immaturity this way in 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 4. And our brethren could not... Now, who's he talking to? He's talking to church folks. And our brethren could not speak to you as to spiritual, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. Say they were immature. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For uh, Remember we talked about that till? Right here it is. For until now, you were not able to receive it. Watch this. And even now, you are still not able. 
You know, you can gossip about anybody as long as you say, bless their hearts. I mean, I literally want to like pray for the Corinthian church right now. For you are still carnal. Now, he's going to give you some reasons why he has discerned, uh, not judged, because we don't judge, right? But discerned that they are carnal because he says, for where there are envy, strife, divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another says, I am of, I am so glad to be serving under a pastor who say, who constantly says, you can hear the voice of God for yourself. You don't always have to have a Pastor Greg or a Pastor Waylon or a Pastor Matt or whoever it may be in your life. You can literally, but these Corinthians say, well, I, you know, I like Paul, man. I mean, when he preaches, I love it. Even when he preaches past midnight and the guy falls out and he runs down there, wakes him up and says, hey, guy, I'm not through preaching. Come on, get up here. I got some more to tell you. I mean, man, if he preaches, I just love me some Paul preaching. But then yet others said, man, you know, he's too long-winded. He's too loud. He sweats too much. He gets too far. He ain't fired up enough. I like that Apollos. Man, if you, hey, you, you let me know, Paul, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a fixture on the seat. I'm, I'm ready to go. Are you not carnal? What's the first two letters of immaturity? Somebody help me. That's right. I'm. I'm more important. It's all about me. Those are some good signs of immaturity. If words keep coming out of your mouth that start with the word I'm, it's probably immaturity. So basically, some signs of immaturity would be this, and this is not an exhaustive list by no means. Selfishness, self-centeredness, comparison, competition, and carnal thinking. Now, I'm not against healthy competition. In a sport, I think it's great to have some healthy competition. But see, just as these plants, and we'll get there, have to be in a certain environment to really grow and to thrive and live and all that, Competition is not designed to really thrive in the house of God. Now, if you want to play your sports, if you want to compete with your wife, who can say I love you the most or outdo them by doing good gifts, go ahead, have some healthy competition in your family. Amen, about just be, I'm going to be the best person in this family. But in the house of God, competition is a sign of immaturity. When you compare yourself, many of us will compare ourselves lower than usually. We, we have uh, spirits of inferiority, and, and, and I'm wanting to preach a message on inferiority. But watch this. We, we will either compare ourselves downward. You know, I'll never be as good as. Man, I'll never be able to do that. I'll, you know, come on. I'll never be. Or we will compare ourselves upward like the Pharisees and say, oh, Thank you, God, I am not like them that's praying in the altar today. Oh, my goodness. I mean, they are wearing me out. We either compare ourselves downward or upward. We never compare ourselves to the true plumb bob, and that's Jesus. You don't have to measure up to me. I tell young folks, God is not wanting you to be an almost 50-year-old Christian. 
If you're 16, God wants you to be a 16-year-old Christian. Be the best 16-year-old Christian you can be. If you're 40, be the best 40-year-old Christian that you can be. You don't have to compare. So as you can see this morning, I've got some tomato plants up here. Bonnie tomato plants to be fact. I actually wanted fruit trees, but it's the same. I actually called Elder Charlie because he's a gardener and, and I know some things, but I don't know everything. And you're asking, maybe you're asking, well, why three? Because you could have bought many. You could have just bought one. One would have done. Two would have done. But these are fruit-bearing plants. And every fruit-bearing plant has to have certain things to initiate it to grow, to grow into maturity, that it could eventually begin to produce fruit. Do you, would you agree with that? So why two or three? Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 18, 19 through 20. Maybe you're thinking, well, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, no, that wasn't what I had. Listen to what Matthew 18, 19 through 20. And again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them also. See, the reason I brought three is so that this one could pollinate that one, and that one could pollinate this one, and this one could cross-pollinate that one. See, when you get together in the, we just start cross-pollinating one another. So that fruit can begin to grow in our lives. A lot of people say, well, you don't have to. No, you ain't got to eat to live. But if you want to live, you're going to have to eat. No, you don't have to go to church. But it's a good thing to do. Because if you want to be cross-pollinated, if you want your faith to connect with my faith and my connect faith to connect with her faith and her faith to connect with their faith, amen, and see a mighty move of God, you've got to be here to do it. Watch this. Their faith cross-pollinates with one another. And just like our faith will cross-pollinate, and now we'll live a more fruitful life. Pun intended. This is why the writer of Hebrews would say, now we're talking about growing into maturity. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider one another. Say, it's not all about me. Because that's immaturity, right? I'm, I'm the most... You know, how I feel matters most. I don't feel like doing this, and I don't feel like doing this. Let us consider one another in order to stir up some pollen. Come on, somebody. In order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Now, I do know that probably you could take this plant, plant it in your garden, and it would grow. And you say, see that pastor, well, that plant would grow and it'd be fruitful? No, you don't understand. There's little bit, you, you, your neighbor's got a little flower over there. Or maybe you may only have one tomato plant, but tomato plants can be cross-pollinated by another uh, tree that's compatible to it. You're not growing alone. You will never be. See, a smart gardener knows if I'm going to plant one apple tree, I need to plant three apple trees. 
If I'm going to plant one pear tree, and if I want my uh, uh, pear trees to be successful and thriving, I'm going to plant them in groups of two or three. That's why Jesus said, if any two or three of you are gathered together, I'm in your midst. I haven't found a promise yet for the one. It says, if any two or three are gathered together, I am in the midst of them. Now, does he show up in the ones? Yes, he does. But he's not promised to do that. I, I'm not a gambler. Never have been. I, I tried that little dollar gamble. I, I didn't even like to lose a dollar. I, every dollar I make, it's hard. I, I just never made a good gambler. But I'm telling you, many of us are gambling on our lives to become fruitful and you're like, well, I'll just take my gamble. I'll stay at home. I'll keep, I'll t- as Pastor Greg said, I'll take my baseball bat and go home. You're gambling on your livelihood. If nature teaches it, now, and that's the good thing about God. God take, takes the foolish things, the natural things, to confound the wisdom of men. Well, I, I just don't think you have to. I, I've got enough wisdom. I don't feel like I've got what nature tells us to assemble together, to grow. Watch this. Coming and being a part of a local church and body of Christ is a true sign of personal and spiritual maturity. Each of these plants here, every one of any and every one of them have potential in of themselves. But they will only reach their full potential if they get planted in some fertile ground. And some well-watered ground. The, the only hope, they, they, they look pretty good right now, but if I don't take these plants, carry them home, and plant them, they will never live up to their full potential. I will never reap a reward of their fruits. Now, we all know that plants need soil, right? Sunlight and water, and there's other things, but, I mean, if you want to get, but primarily, the basic needs Soil, sunlight, and water. Job asked this in Job 8, 11. Can the papyrus grow up without a marsh? Now, Job was one of the wisest and probably the most holy men of the Old Testament. God said that he never defiled himself. Watch this. And the wise, one of the wisest men and one of the holiest men said, Can the papyrus grow without a marsh? Can the reeds flourish without water? Ezekiel declares in Ezekiel 47, 12, along the bank of the river, on this side and that, will grow all kinds of trees used for fruit. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month. Why? Because their water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. I mean, in, in Old Te- Ezekiel's prophesying, and he literally says, the only way that we're going to thrive is that our substance comes from where? The sanctuary of God. Let's go back to the beginning, all the way back. I mean, I love that. Genesis chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. The Lord God... 
planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put man whom he had formed. Watch this, verse 9. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow. That is pleasant to the sight and good for food. And you could read on. So without any formal education or knowledge about trees or, 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 or anything that's needed for their growth, after just reading that one scripture, we would all have to agree that every tree, every tree, needs to be planted in what? The ground. To properly grow, to mature, and to become a, uh, fruitful. Amen? Can I tell you just as trees must be planted in fertile ground to live and to thrive, believers, say that's me, must be planted in a proper environment to grow as well. Now we're talking about growing into spiritual maturity. But there's things, it's not just, hey, I want to to grow spiritually mature. You got to know how to grow spiritually mature. And God's wisdom said even in the beginning, if a tree wants to grow, it must be planted in the ground. Psalms 92, verses 12 through 14, we quote this often. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. So remember, trees in the Bible represent people in the natural. Watch this. When Jesus healed the blind man, he prayed. And the first time he prayed, he didn't see clear. And he said, I see men as... Trees. Trees in the Bible. Pastor Gretchen did a couple of Wednesday night uh, series about trees. Trees are important in the eyes of God because trees represent mankind. Every tree was planted in the garden. If every tree must be planted and trees represent people, then people must be planted in the garden of God. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are, help me now, planted in the house of the Lord. What will happen to them? They shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Here's another present tense form of the word. Not one time, but continually flourishing. Continually growing. Moses sang of God planting Israel in the promised land and in his sanctuary in Exodus chapter 15 verse 17. You will bring them in and plant them. And you ought to just read it. talks about the sanctuary of the Lord. You will bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance, in the sanctuary of the Lord. Paul states in Philippians 3, 12 through 15, watch this. Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I'm not going to use that for an excuse to just sit down and say, well, whatever will be, will be. It is what it is. I am what I am. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Watch this. Not that I've already attained or already 
perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold on me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Watch this, verse 14. I press toward the goal. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us as many as are mature. See, maturity causes you to press on. Children want to give. I can't do that math problem. Teacher didn't teach it just right. But maturity says, I'm stumped, but let me go back and see if I can figure this out. Maturity, immaturity says, I'm leaving, I quit, I give up. But maturity says, oh, though all hell assails me, in this one thing I will do, I will put my trust in God, for he is my shield and my shelter, he is my high tower, and I will run into him and find safety. That's maturity, that's endurance. Therefore, let as many as are mature have this mind. And if you think anything otherwise, God will reveal it to you. I think God's revealing some things this morning. After reading this scripture, could we all agree that every, the goal for every Christian should be to grow into maturity? I mean, that was Paul's goal. Jesus, it was quoted, he's the same yesterday, today, forever. He, he has no respect of persons. So if this is Paul's goal, it should be our goal to grow into maturity. Now the word perfected here is a unique Greek word, which means to make perfect. Watch this, to carry through completely, to accomplish, finish, or bring to an end. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are his workmanship created in Jesus for good works. That's Ephesians 2.10. I'm going to give you Colossians 2.10 in just a minute. But watch this. It means to complete. Colossians 2.10. I, I call it the 2.10 method. We're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Now watch Colossians 2.10 and the last part of it. And you are complete, perfected, grown into maturity in Christ Jesus. It means to add what is yet wanting in order to render a thing full. Ephesians 3, 19, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That you may be filled with all the fullness, and I mean that's infinite, that's immutable, it's unimaginable that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's perfection. To bring to the end goal, to accomplish or to bring a close or fulfillment by an event. I love this. I quote it all the time. Philippians 1.6 Being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you. Remember Ephesians 
We are his workmanship. Colossians 2.10, we are complete in him. Ephesians 3.19, and you can be filled with the fullness of God. Now watch this, Philippians 1.6, being confident, being persuaded, being full of faith of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now could you imagine, and a lot of gardeners do this, and I've been guilty of this, but to spend good money for a lot of plants, get your garden broke up, get all the weeds out, plant them, and you never maintenance them. I'm going to be honest with you. There will be things growing in your garden that wasn't there before you started your garden. Trying to choke out trying to get all the life, you see, so that you might be filled, that you might be filled with the fullness of God. There's things that are in competition to that. Many of us don't go to church because we're so full of the cares of this life. We're full of this and we're full of that and we got this to satisfy and that to satisfy. So that you may be filled. There's things competing to fill your heart. If things start competing for the ground and for the nutrients and begins to choke out, vines will grow up and begin to constrict. Every one of them. The good plants, the bad plants, they're in competition for the life-giving nutrients that God designed that are in the ground. The cares of life are in competition to you growing. It's like a vine growing up a tree, reaching up to the highest heights so it could begin to take all the sun, not knowing that the thing that it needed to get up there is the thing that it's destroying. Some of the things, listen to me, this ain't even in my notes. This is spirit-inspired. Some of the things that we are allowing to surround our lives is literally wrapping one wrap at a time ever so easily. You don't notice it. And a vine has these little shoots, and as the vine wraps around you, little shoots also come out and begin to wrap around you. And at the whole time, these, these things that we're using for entertainment, these things that we're using to fulfill me, I just need some meat time what about being on God's time today, today, today today is the day of salvation if you don't harden your hearts the things we are literally putting in our lives we think that is giving life is literally choking life out of us in him is light and that light is the life of men. You, just like these plants need light, you need the light of God's Word shining and basking on you Sunday morning and Wednesday night so that you can grow into maturity. Oh my goodness, I'm going to have a three-part message. Jeremiah, not only do you have to be planted, we're talking about growing into maturity, number one, you got to be planted. you got to get planted somewhere. If not here, somewhere. Get planted. Get, 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 get rooted. That's my next point. Just as much as you need planted, you must also have a good root system. In a negative sense, Jeremiah is speaking to the wicked, but listen to what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 12 too. You have planted them and they have taken root. They grow. 
Yes, they bear fruit. So planted, take root, grow, bear fruit. Listen to me. Watch, read my lips. No root, no fruit. No root. That you would be rooted in him. The process is pretty clear. Planted, take root, grow, bear fruit. Watch what Isaiah 11 1 says. There shall come a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Hidden in Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 3 is this principle of being rooted. Verse 16, he's he's praying and he said that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through the Spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts. How? Through faith that you being, present tense, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Listen to me. If you're not rooted and grounded right now, I mean right now, you're dying. You're drying up. You're withering. He said, and being right now, present tense, you can take these plants, and even though they're root-bound now, I can pull them out of this container. They may not die day one. They may not even start wilting until about a week. But you take them plants out of the ground, and they're not rooted into the ground They don't have a root system beginning to develop. They will die. Everything in the natural is a sign of things pointing into the spiritual. If you are not rooted now, if you are not planted and rooted, listen to me, you're dying, you're drying up, you're withering. That you may be able to comprehend with all, how many saints? All the, how are you going to comprehend by yourself? That you may comprehend with all the saints. What is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ? That's why you ought to come to church, just to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. That you may be filled with all, there it is again, filled with all the fullness of God. And watch this, even after that, there's still more. And you're like, there's more after being filled with all the fullness of God? No way. Watch this, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works. What is the power? The power to stay rooted in him. Even after you get the fullness of God, there's still more. To him be glory. Where? To him be glory where? Somebody help me read verse 21. In the, to him be glory in my house. To him be glory on on, on the uh, fishing banks on Sunday morning. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. How long should this go on? To all generations. Forever and ever. Amen. And that means so let it be. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, verse 7, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith. 
as you have been taught according to the uh, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Lastly, the root system must get firmly established. Planted, rooted, and now you're getting established. Romans 16, 25, Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel. In other words, to, because I preach to you, because you assembled yourself and you heard the gospel, the life-giving message of Jesus Christ, who can take you out of darkness into marvelous light, because you have done that, Jesus Christ can now establish you. The word establish means to make stable, to place firmly, set as fast, to fix, to strengthen, to make firm, to render constant. 1 Thessalonians 3, 12 through 13. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in, the, in love to one another. There's, there's our mission statement. Just as we do to you. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness or perfection before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with what? With all his saints. There's no long rangers in, I've not found one yet. I mean, God created everything, and at the end of the day, what did God say? Every time he created, what did he say? And it, God saw that it was good. But on day six, when he created man, he looked and he said, it is not good. It is not good that man be alone. So he created for him a helper suitable for him. He, he created saints in the house of God. Their pollens suitable, comparable to pollinate you, to stir you up to good works of righteousness. I say it all the time. It's given fact. You can run faster alone. I give it to you. But statistically proven, you can run further with someone. First Peter 5.10. I'll start wrapping some of this up. But may, may the God of all grace, who called you unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. All of these words are somewhat the same. It's like saying when you quote that, you know, I uh, beseech you, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing. You know, and preachers are preaching, they say, by the renewing, by the refreshing, by the regenerating. It's all the same word. It's just multiple words trying to make a powerful point. God wants to perfect, to establish, to strengthen, and to settle you. And sometimes it takes hardships to make. Did you know palm trees in, in uh, Florida and, and other uh, island, Pacific Islanders and all that, the, those torrential hurricane winds, literally, you think, oh my goodness, it's working against the tree. It's about to break it over. No, it literally causes the tree to say, hey, I got to go deeper. I got I to got, I start getting my roots deeper. Sometimes the suffering that we're resisting, God is trying to bring it in our life so we can say, hey, I'm not grown yet. I need to go deeper. It's getting a little dry up here. Uh, 
yeah, man, he just don't feed me. He's so dry. I got to go somewhere where I can get a fresh drink. No, no, you just, you got to get your roots to go deeper. With that said, God will limit the amount of suffering that you will go through to ensure the lively. See, a good gardener, I might not water it day one or two or three when it's really hot and the leaves come. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to baby you too much. I don't want to put passy you too much. So I'm hoping they'll just do what they're designed to do and start going deeper and getting. But if I see my plants that I've invested in are about to really die, I'm probably gonna get my garden hose. Watch this. Second Thessalonians three three. But the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. I love it how I spoke to the J38 students uh, a couple of weeks ago and thank God for Brother John for calling me and uh, just reminding and different things. But 1 Corinthians 10, 13, I got to this verse and it says, No temptation has ever taken you except it's common to me. But God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted? And I told them this, and I, I'm telling you, this is a note moment. Not that I'm anything, but you want to write this down. You want to memorize this. They probably have it in their notes. Listen to me. God has his eye on the thermometer, and his hand is on the thermostat, and he knows how hot you can handle it. He knows how much wind you can handle. He knows how much heat you can handle. He knows how much dryness you can handle. God is faithful. Would you agree with that? Come on, we ought to give the Lord a hand clap of praise on that. For this reason, 2 Peter 1.12, For this reason I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. I really think that some of our problems is we've got, we've got established in some truths. I want you to remember what Pastor Greg, the, the, the scriptures that he used starting this, Hebrews chapter 6, 1 through 3. Many of us would say, I'm established in the truth. I don't know if I need to go any further. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. You could read all of that, verse 2 and 3. Some of you may even be asking, well, if I'm walking in the truth and Jesus is the truth, why should I worry about growing any further? Isn't that good enough? You know, isn't salvation enough? Listen to Jesus' own words. Now, remember, I've, I've accepted Jesus. I'm... I'm I've received the truth of Jesus. But listen to what Jesus actually taught. I still have many things to say to you. Somebody say, that's me. But you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Holy Spirit of truth, or just the Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. You see, we must continue to grow. No matter what truth you're established in at the moment or what stage of life you're in, we find ourselves, we must continue 
to grow. I want you to see this real quickly. Last three verses right here. I want you to see this Old Testament principle that brings a New Testament revelation. Genesis chapter 21. This is the story of Isaac. Just going to read three verses. Genesis 21.8. So the child, Isaac, grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. He grew. He was weaned. We ought to celebrate growth. Every one of us in the natural, we celebrate our children's growth, our children's birthdays. And uh, uh, I heard Pastor Greg talk about how Levi one day grow, going up uh, when they was in Boxes Cove, if I'm not mistaken, the story, and uh, the gate. And he finally, he says, I can see the gate. He celebrated. He rejoiced. His body began to mature. His vertebrae began to extend. And now he's able to see over the desk and he's able to see things that he never saw. I didn't know that was in the Scripture. Oh, I didn't know that was in the Scripture. That's the gift of maturity. You will see things that immaturity will never see. Immaturity does not see the need to be planted in the house of God. But as you grow, you begin to see the need. It ain't that I need to be here for me so much as I need to be here for God and for what God is doing in me. Watch this. So the child grew. That's verse 8. Go with me to verse 20 of chapter 20, Genesis 21. So God was with the lad, because he grew from a child to a lad, Isaac, and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer or became a man of war or a fighter. Listen to me. Children don't fight. That's why many of us, the devil, is kicking our little sitting positions because we haven't grown up. We haven't become warriors. The child grew and they celebrated the growth. The lad grew and he became a fighter. Now watch this. Go with me to Genesis 26, 13. He went from childishness to youthfulness to now verse 13. And the man Isaac waxed great and went forward. Now, if you're reading New King James, it's not there, but the King James says this. You can see it on the screen. And grew. The man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. Don't ever get tired of growing. Don't ever get tired of growing. Paul said, I have not attained it yet. But I'm not going to use that as an excuse to sit on my duff and do no stuff. I'm going to pursue the kingdom of God by becoming mature. You will never grow into greatness if you don't continue to pursue growth. Even after adulthood, some of you feel that you've grown all you can or all you ever will. But can I tell you, there's deeper depths and higher heights in Christ Jesus. Would you stand with me? As you're standing, let's ask ourselves, 
God, what are you trying to teach me through these messages on perfection and maturity? What is it that I need in my life? What nutrients, what life-giving nutrients do I need that I would be a fruitful bearing Christian that I would bring glory to your name? I would ask you this morning as you're thinking, as you're praying, as you're meditating, are you interested in growing and becoming all that God has designed for you to be? Are you satisfied with just being a bonnie plant in a small little container? Are you hungering? Are you thirsting for God to take you? And with great care, begin to dig into the ground that He designed. See, God designed the church. Upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail. See, God designed the church the same way He designed the ground. And, and if you'll look at Genesis in, the, in the, the creation, everything God did, He did for the next step of creation. See, he didn't create trees before he created the ground. And he didn't create the Christian before he created the church. And a little over 2,000 years ago, your Savior, and my Savior, he went to a cross. He bled and died. And he took hold of the plow, if you will. And he began to till. And he began to till. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't even know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. I begin to cry out this morning on the way to work. I, I begin to declare that song. I speak Jesus. I spoke it. I called my family's name one by one, every one of them. But I begin to declare and begin to pray, God, give us salvations. God will take a plant. He'll purchase it. He's already paid the price. You've been purchased. You've been bought. He'll take you and He'll plant you in His house. He'll plant you in His sanctuary. He'll plant you in His garden. And He'll begin to care for you. He'll begin to tend you. He'll begin to fertilize you. He will water you. He will equip you. He will strengthen you. He'll establish you. And He'll make you perfect. He'll grow you into maturity. And see, a perfect... See, this plant's not done until there's a big red tomato that I can take off and either use for myself or to share with someone. See, that's what this whole series is about. Is that you will grow in such maturity. See, this tomato says, I don't have a tomato for me on here. Tomatoes do do nothing for this plant. But I've done this so that others could have fruit. So that others could have life. See, that's a sign of true maturity is when you ask, not just getting planted in the house of God, not just getting rooted in the house of God, not just getting established in the house of God, but now you're producing fruit unto righteousness so that others can get planted, so that others can get pollinated, so that others can feel the freedom and the grace and the love of God, so that you're here not for you, but for others. For God so loved the world that He gave of His fruit.